What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, I told you to be a little earlier. It's actually a little later than I expected. But uh, yesterday, a, uh, a longer day for us. And some of you are well aware that uh, Rose Bowl's now a grandfather. How about that? Uh, my One of the youngest grandfathers, I would suggest, probably in the country. But also the coolest of the grandfathers. And uh, now that I have leveled up, uh, I, I plan to take charge of this new level. And uh, you know, a lot of people said, well, Steve, you know, what's your grandpa name going to be? And I'm, I'm, again, I'm still a young, hip, cool grandfather. So I'm not going to be a papaw, and I've had papaws, but um, not going to be a papaw. Uh, not going to be a grandpa either. I'm going to have the, the the label, I guess. But uh, they wouldn't let me go with Rose Daddy, which is a shame. I mean, really. Uh, you know, a lot of people call me Rose Bowl. I don't. I don't mind. I think it's funny. I've kind of embraced that. It's not a nickname that I chose, but uh, I kind of flipped it. Some people meant it with a malicious intent, but. Uh, I think it's kind of fun to laugh at yourself a little bit. But uh, but anyway, they wouldn't let me go with Rose Daddy, but they did name the baby Vivian Rose. Now, they're trying to claim, you know, some family name on the mother's side or whatever, but uh, we all know. We, we, we know. We know in our hearts this baby's named after me. We're going to call her Vivi, and we're happy, happy, happy to have her. Mom and baby are doing great. They made it through the first night with no problem, and she slept most of the night, which is uh, wild. Because her dad kept me up for years, it seemed like, as a colicky baby. Would not let anybody but his mother hold him and comfort him. And, um, you know, so so far he has not faced any karma for the uh, lack of sleep that he created in my life. And, of course, when you're a parent, you don't really care about that. You're just happy they're around. So, uh, so yeah, I, I was exhausted last night. I, I didn't even expect to be as tired as I was. You know how that works where it's like you've got an emotional investment in something. And even though I was not worried, there's always some level of concern. Anytime there's a major medical situation, I mean, even when you hope for the best and you expect the best, there's always a little bit of concern. But I had such an emotional buy-in to that because you, you know, it's one of those deals where you want everything to go perfectly for your kids. And I don't mean that they make the, uh, you know, the, you know, the best travel team baseball team or they're on the, you know, they get the solo and the dance recital. That's not what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, listen, you know, I've had some difficulty in my time as a parent having children. And uh, and so I, that was one of those things that I have always hoped and prayed not to pass down to my children because I know how difficult that is. And so we had some concern around the 28-week mark, and uh, my son called me heartbroken, and they were a little concerned because she was, uh, she was trending – a little light on the growth scale and uh, but you know what she did great mom did great uh, they put her on house rest and a fajita protein diet now I'm just joking about that but yeah she loves chicken fajitas but uh, well, everybody's doing great and so mom did a great job dad did a great job supporting mom and now uh, and now I'm a grandfather 
And uh, I'm, no, I'm not getting a haircut, stupid. I'm not. I'm not going to change who I am because we have uh, added a new generation to the family. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, too. Like, it's people that I know are like, well, are you going to get a haircut? Why would I get a haircut? <laughs> because my, my son's wife had a baby. I mean, it's so silly. It's so no, no. And I've shared with you guys many times before, some of the worst mistakes that I've made in life were haircuts. So I stopped getting them. And so it's funny. It's interesting, too. There are some people that have never known me with anything but dreads. Never. This is how they've met me. And so this is the reference they have. And so when they see, you know, pictures or, you know, it's like they think that, uh, that perhaps I was born with long hair. And I wasn't. But uh, I'm happy at my age to be able to still grow it. And so I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, speaking of enjoyment, they're here to serve you. And I, I told you, I had Bulldog Burger earlier this week, going to have it again next week. Uh, you know, it's one of those deals with them. I never know what I want to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody, like one, one of my girls will say, hey, can we get Bulldog Burger tonight? And I think immediately I start thinking, okay, what do I want to get? You know, there's some places, you know, when I, as soon as the name comes up, I say I know exactly what I get because every time I go there, this is what I get. But when Bulldog Burger comes up, I start thinking, okay, what do I really want? Because there are so many great options to choose from. And I have had them all. Uh, I have eaten everything from the veggie burger to the Bulldog. And that's one of the things I'll tell you. If you just want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, the Bulldog is right in your wheelhouse. It is a great American hamburger, just solid all the way. But if you're like me, you like to kind of change it up a little bit. You can get the Smokehouse. That was the Brian Haydad favorite, the Smokehouse. I think it probably still is. You get the Pimentology Ad Bacon. I've told you, listen, I grew up going to so many of those bad, you know, dinners on the ground at church where they would bring that big old Tupperware container full of pimento and cheese sandwiches. My mom would put that on my plate when I was a kid, and I hated it, so I wouldn't eat it. I'd find a way to discard it or throw it under the church or whatever. You know, I just I couldn't stand it. And so I never thought in a million years I would like the Pimentology but I tried it. I absolutely love it. That is the Boneyard Burger of choice. Pimentology, add bacon. It will definitely give you your protein allotment, put some hair on your chest. But uh, a lot of options to choose from. You don't have to get a bun. You can get a gluten-free You can get a gluten free bun. You can get your hamburger served on a bed of lettuce. Just eat the patties. You know what? Or you want to get a salad, you can do that too. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A. Tea. All right, let's get into a lot of things. Since we have been together, there has uh, been some decisions about the schedule. That's there was a lot of there was some upheaval earlier this week where people were like, "Well, I don't know if they announce a schedule or if we just make some agreements, or we but we're going to take some steps, you know, towards college football one way or another." And so I understand the vote was thirteen and one to adopt a ten-game conference schedule for this year only. I know there's some people out there saying, hey, well, the SEC should go with nine or stick with ten. No, we're, we're, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, that's just – that doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, but be that as it may, there at this point, the plan is to have a ten-game SEC-only schedule. So there will be no NC State game. There will be no Southern Miss game. There was some speculation that you know, perhaps that we might do some non-conference stuff closer to home, whatever. None of that's going to happen. Straight ten games. And then uh, there will be some allowances about bowl eligibility, as you're aware. That's the first thing everybody does. Okay, the 10 games. All right, let's start, let's start counting the schedule. Start, okay, where, where can we get to bowl eligibility? Uh, listen, you're going to be able to go to bowl eligibility at 5-5. Five and five. Po- Possibly even go at 4-6 and six because there have not been any official declarations. But I'm hearing you know, probably the tidiest way to do this is to let, you know, let the, the leagues just fill their tie-ins with, you know, the, they'll rank their the pecking order and then they'll put them out there. But, that, again, that's not a hard and fast rule. But uh, we still expect bowl games to be played, assuming there's a season. And I, and I hate to say it that way, but, you know, a lot can happen between now and September 26th. And that's the beginning of college football in, uh, in the SEC. So we're like a little under than two months away uh, from college football. But uh, you know, for for us, but uh, there are some other people that are going to play in week zero. So we'll have basically, you know, a month of college football before the SEC takes the field. And there's two things about that that, that I like. Number one, we're going to get a lot of college football this year. You know, we'll get that elongated schedule. They'll still start in August. We'll be able to enjoy college football before we have to make an emotional investment in a Saturday. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's just there's so many people out there that would say. 
you know, man, I wish we were playing first. I, you know, I, I want us to play first too, but the bottom line is this, is, uh, you know, for those of us that travel the games, and many of you do, you know, that is, that is your day. And so, like, you make such a commitment if you attend games in person, more times than not, that's the only game you're going to see unless you happen to watch a couple to tailgate. But now we're going to be able to sit home and have some college football Saturdays and be able to enjoy that and then kind of ramp up and go play our games. So I kinda, I'm kind of excited about that. Also, too, let's say for an example, too, the fact that the SEC is going to start a little bit later, there's some other leagues out there that can kind of serve a little bit as the, as the litmus test, kind of be the guinea pigs. And so if there are other issues, perhaps they can get that sorted out before the SEC takes the field. Also, you got to think, too, what, what if things go negatively? I don't expect them to go negatively, but listen, they're going to be kids that are going to be infected. I mean, you know, we can't even get through an SEC, uh, uh, pardon me, a Major League Baseball week without the test, one positive test at least. Today they uh, announced, I guess it's the, the Brewers and Cardinals are, uh, are off today, but they're going to they're gonna play this weekend, you know, assuming there's no other test for the Cardinals or whatever. But uh, listen, there are going to be some precautions that are going to be taken. There are going to be some infections, and that's what's going to happen. There are going to be so many people out there that are majoring in negativity that when the first time some kid tests positive, they're going to want to disclose the country down again. And so be mindful of that. But, you know, if there's widespread outbreaks in the, in the first month of September, you know, and all of a sudden they decide to pause or cancel the season, you know, the SEC won't have, won't have had any players at risk per se on the fields of play. I don't think you're any more likely to, to catch it, uh, in, you know, on the field than you would be going to the Cotton District. And that's one of the things I don't know that a lot of our people fully appreciate. Guys, your players are in the Cotton District just about every night. There is somebody involved in Mississippi State football in the Cotton District just about every night. And I know this because I have college students in my family, so I hear these things. And so it's not like they're, they're walking around and, you know, in bubble wrap and uh, living in quarantine. It's, just, it's not a boy-in-the-bubble type situation. They're still living their lives. And that's the thing that I think about. There are so many people. It's, it's incredible the way that some people go through life. It's like, okay, well, we're okay with this. We're okay with that. We're okay with this. But no, don't let them play football. So do you think, and, I, and I'm going to say this as bluntly as I can, do you think that a college football player is more susceptible to catching the COVID-19 virus by making a tackle outside on an open field or – by meeting some college co-ed in a bar and having a makeout session, because I'm gonna tell you, both of those things are happening. Okay, both of those things are going to happen. But let's say for an example that some kid, you know, let's say some kid at Auburn is, uh, you know, down on the strip or whatever, and and contacts COVID from his date. Well, they're not gonna go be upset about the bar. They're not gonna say, well, hey, wait a minute, this kid met this girl at this bar and and uh, he got COVID, so let's shut down the bar. But it's gonna be that way for college football. You know, because nobody's going to be able to draw the designation. Nobody's going to say, well, hey, well, he got it from this teammate. You know, how do I know they weren't at the same barbecue? You know, and so understand there are a lot of people out there, for some reason or another, that are against us playing college football. They're okay with MLB, and they're okay with MLS, and they're okay with NBA. But God forbid we let the amateurs get out there and play. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. So now, so what does all this mean for Mississippi State? Well, there is a, there's a theory out there that one of the scholar, pardon, one of the scheduling models, because if we're going to play a 10-game conference schedule, we're going to have to add teams from the East, right? Because we already play everybody in the West. We're not going to do a home-and-home home with Ole Miss, even though that would get – you talk about giving us a chance to even up the series, let us play those clowns two times a year. Uh, but be that as it may, you're going to add two teams from the East. And so what's fair about that? You know, we already play in Kentucky and Missouri, so that, that only leaves you a handful of teams. And so one of the scheduling models that we've seen, I know Paul Feinbaum has talked about it, uh, said, hey, chances are it's going to be the next two East teams in a rotation. So for Mississippi State, that would be Vanderbilt and Georgia. And the way I understand it, we would go to Vanderbilt and then host Georgia, which I think is probably the best-case scenario if that's the model that, that, is, uh, that is selected. Now, there have been no decisions from what I'm told, and I have worked the phones, and I've talked to other people that have even better resources than I, and there, there have not been any firm decisions. I know, listen, there, there's some people out there, I heard that uh, 
I guess WWL out of New Orleans had suggested that Ole Miss and LSU would open the season, and that's probably somebody not understanding, uh, you know, the process. They're just looking at the schedule and saying, okay, we're going to lop all these non-conference games off, and that's the first game, so let's just run with that. The schedule is going to change, okay? I have heard some some Ole Miss folks, and I'm sure it's those that have adopted a clown's doctrine, uh, that – that Ole Miss might be in favor of moving the Egg Bowl to week number one in their quote <laughs> in their effort to de-emphasize the rivalry. Uh, let me tell you this. If, uh, if you think playing Mississippi State in week one with all the problems that go with week one against a guy like Mike Leach, you're going to give that guy seven weeks to prepare for you and you think that's to your advantage? Are you kidding me? Not to mention, then you'd play the entire season with a blowout loss to Mississippi State hanging over your head. Hey, listen, so let's do it then. Let's do it. That's fine with me. I don't think that gives the Ole Miss folks an advantage at all. At all. I think then we can go ahead and get that out of the way and just enjoy the rest of the football season because there's this segment of Mississippi State fans that no matter who we play or how we play, they, they, they play the Egg Bowl every day. Oh, my gosh, I can't. When we play, you know, Ole Miss will get a first down against, you know, Middle Tennessee State or something. Man, if we don't play better, they're going to blow us out. And then they don't. You know, let, let, let me remind you, they, they're a cheap shot away, you know, a cheap shot of breaking Nick Fitzgerald's leg away from being 0-4 in the last four Egg Bowls. Not to mention, the fact, Mississippi State's a better football team. Mississippi State has the better quarterback. As one thing that I've learned about life when you have the better quarterback, chances are you're going to win the football game. More times than not, when you have the better quarterback, you win the game. It doesn't matter if you're playing peewees or in the pros. We got the better quarterback. So, you want to you want to play the egg ball first? And, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't think that's in the best interest of the league or, or really the game. But I don't see in any way whatsoever how Ole Miss gains an advantage from playing us first. Um, and that's, I, I kind of laugh when I think about all those things, you know, all the, that all of that whole package of let's de-emphasize the rivalry. You know, it's funny. The rivalry was a lot of fun when they were on the upper hand, when they were the ones winning, you know, from 1947 to 1963, that was almost a scrimmage game for them. You know, but now that we're all committed to football, it's amazing. You know, look, Mississippi State actually holds a winning record since we uh, went to brought the games back to campus in 1992. I don't know if you knew that. So, yeah, so it's trending in our direction. And then you want to give Mike Leach, a guy, number one, that has a much less sophisticated offense to install. You know, he can get that thing up and running much quicker, and he has the veteran quarterback. He has the NFL prospect and K.J. Costello. So, yeah, let, let, let's do it, you know. I mean, that's just one of those things I look at and say, you know, does this really, is this really what you want? I, I, maybe they just want to get their misery over with. You know, let's just get it over with. We won't have to dread losing that ball game because they're going to lose the ball game. I don't think that game's going to be close no matter when we play it or where we play it or how we play it. I think Mississippi State's the superior football team. Well, Miss is not good at sports. I mean, I've said on this show before, and it's like some people forget it. Ole Miss is not good at sports, and it is apparent. Uh, another thing too that I think about too, you know, with all the, if you look at the uh, you know, the way that Ole Miss has kind of been the unruly child here in the last few years, not to mention look at all the things you've had happen this year. You had the Jerry and Jones uh, tampering allegations. You had all those things going on, and I, you know, I don't know that the SEC is going to bend over backwards to help Ole Miss do anything. So it's like if all if Ole Miss says, "Hey, let's play the game the first week of the year," I think that almost out of automatically rules it out as a possibility. I just don't think the SEC is going to bend over backwards to, you know, to, to cater to the whims of the Ole Miss Rebels. I just, I just don't. Uh, but, again, I, I don't care if we play Ole Miss week 1, 9, 10, 12, whatever. I, we're going to beat them. So, one of the things I'll be you know, mindful of, too, is that these scheduling models that are out there, I am told that there are multiple schedules out there and that the athletic directors are going to vote. Yesterday was a league president's. Uh, they voted, according to an article I read, 13-1 to 1 to play the 10-game conference-only schedule with South Carolina being the one dissenting vote. My honest opinion is uh, 
They said publicly they wanted to play Clemson. Deep down, I don't believe that. I don't believe for one second that South Carolina wants to play Clemson. I believe that game is actually at Clemson this year anyway, and it doesn't matter if it's in Will Muschamp's backyard. I don't think South Carolina can make that game competitive this year. And so I think it's kind of a straw man's argument. It's like, we listen, we know this measure is going to pass, but we have to put up some token resistance to at least suggest that, hey, we want to play Clemson. But deep down, I think everybody at South Carolina – is probably woke up this morning feeling even better about life. Number one, we expect to play football, but number two, we're not going to have to get embarrassed by Clemson. Uh, so the schedule is now in place. Uh, as far as the dates, the games, now we figure out the opponents. But, again, they're going to vote, and you're never going to please all 14 schools. So just, it's not going to happen. I don't, I don't care what they, you know, what they report as the vote, but uh, – you're not going to make everybody happy. And, you know, maybe the fairest thing to do is to just let you add the next two SEC East teams in the rotation. Uh, that way there's no, you know, possibility of, you know, bias or perceived bias in some cases. And, you know, I haven't looked to see who all everybody else would pick up. But, I, listen, I know State would pick up uh, Vandy and Georgia. That's probably a split for State. And when I begin to break down the schedule, I, I begin to think, okay, if this is going to be, you know, a conference-only schedule, and we're not going to have the benefit of uh, picking up three or four wins in a non-conference, where do we find the wins? Where do we get to 500? Where do we get a winning record? Well, here's what I would say. Mississippi State's got a difficult schedule, but I love the fact that we have Arkansas. I love the fact that we have Ole Miss. I love the fact that with that model, we would have Vanderbilt. I love that we have Missouri. Uh, Kentucky is a bit of a toss-up. Auburn coming here, that's been good for us. And so, you know, I see the path you know, to get to 500 or maybe better if you pick up some things along the way. And, and, I, and I'll contend again, Mike Leach is going to upset somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but he's going to upset somebody. And so I'm not worried about the schedule. I know some other people that are. They're saying, you know, well, Steve, without the, the benefit of this non-conference game, it's going to be difficult for us to have a winning season. And that's true. But I don't think this is a year that you look at and say, oh, my gosh. Because I think Mississippi State, number one, I think we've got a pretty good team. Uh, I'm a little concerned a little bit about the defensive secondary. But I think Mike Leach is going to be able to score at a rate that uh, we have not seen in many, many years here at Mississippi State. And a great offense will keep you in a ball game uh, more times than not. So we can find a way to figure some things out defensively as the season goes along. I think we can be a pretty good football team by the end of the year. Uh, I do like the fact to possibly open up with Arkansas. That game would be at home against a team that uh, is not very good. And so gives you a chance to get the Mike Leach era off on a winning note. And also, too, there's just something about winning that first game that just kind of helps everybody's enthusiasm. But especially when, in a season where we're going to have an abbreviated schedule, uh, getting out 1-0 and will be huge. And, again, I, I fully expect Mississippi State to be a bowl team this year. And, you know, we might might be a 4-6 and six bowl team. But um, it's a difficult year, but at this point we'll take whatever we can get, right? We're happy to have some discussion about football. We're happy to have some discussion about Mississippi State football and being kind of able to press forward. But uh, I want to remind everybody, nothing is carved in stone yet. A lot can change over the course of the next two months. You know what? By the time September gets here, uh, the virus might be mostly eradicated. I don't expect that, but there could be something that happens, and perhaps infection rates go down tremendously. But there's also the possibility that they go up. There's also the possibility of widespread outbreak and the, the fact that uh, we might make some other changes. There might be some detrimental things that happen. And so I'm going to celebrate yesterday as a win, but also understand that, that there's a possibility this thing could still go either way. You know, I, I talked to somebody earlier this morning. I said, you know, I think it's still 50-50. I think it's probably better than that. But I think let's just take all this one day at a time. And I guess it's one thing about being a person in recovery. I've kind of learned to just appreciate what happens today. And so today, let's appreciate Good Friday. Maybe it's a payday for you. and Maybe things are going well. But yesterday was a very positive day is we took a step forward and kind of have an idea of when we expect this thing to start. Uh, and, again, yeah, there's some teams that are going to play in week zero, and that's under four weeks away. That's August 29th, guys. And so that will give us a good opportunity to kind of see how this thing's going to play out. And I've had some other people say, uh, you know, about the non-conference stuff. You know, well, I don't understand why we don't play the non-conference games. One of the things that I was told this morning 
there are a lot of conferences, obviously, that are not going to have the resources to test quite as frequently as, say, the Power Fives are. And so that's one of the things you begin to consider about the safety of your own players is that, you know, some leagues are not going to have the same safety protocols. And maybe that's an NCAA issue that they should, they should take up. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that uh, with SEC schools playing just SEC schools, we know that everybody has the same protocols. Everybody is under the same governing body with the SEC. Uh, there are systems in place to protect everybody and keep everybody safe. So to me, what, to hear it explained that way, it kind of makes sense. You know what, now Greg Sankey understands the same things happening at Kentucky are happening at LSU. And every team can take the field understanding, okay, we all know the same testing format. We're not being more stringent than anybody else. And there's guys out there that aren't being lax. And so I think that makes a lot of sense when you begin to kind of look at this thing, you know, from like a 30,000-foot view and kind of figure out, okay, what, what's best for the league? Well, it might be best for the league this year to play teams within the league. Your good friends at Hawthorne.co, I've told you guys many times, go check them out. Go do it today. Okay, when the show is over, save a note on your phone, text yourself, text your, your significant other, and say, hey, remind me to go check out that Hawthorne.co website. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Take the two-minute quiz. There are so many guys out there right now wearing cologne that doesn't fit them. They just go buy whatever's popular. And then somebody says, hey, I like it. A lot of times it, it, it might not smell the same on you as it does somebody else. Because all of our biochemistry is a little different. We all sweat a little bit different. We stink differently. So disguise your stink by getting some great stuff at Hawthorne.co. And use promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for yourself. That's B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Uh, best cologne I've ever worn, without a doubt. And, and I, I say that every time we're on the show, but uh, it is not something that anybody is telling me to say. It is something that I tell you because I think you should try their products. Again, it's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Use promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. I do not remember the person who sent me this list, and I apologize because I get messages on Gene's page about a top ten list. I get messages on Twitter. I get messages on Facebook. I get messages by carrier pigeon, whatever. I, I have so many people sending a list, and please continue to send them, because some of them people send, I just they're not, they're not interesting to me, or again, I can't do a good job with them. But today's list, top 10 Tom Petty songs. Top 10 Tom Petty songs. And, and, and listen, you know, God rest, God bless Tom Petty's soul, and uh, may he rest in peace. But uh, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, they were kind of the they were kind of the American soundtrack for a while. I mean, they were a big part of that. I mean, Tom Petty, a great songwriter, and uh, good radio rock. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of rock that uh, they wouldn't play on the radio. I know when I was a DJ years ago, we couldn't play certain Eagle songs until after dark. Like, we couldn't play like during business hours or whatever. You know, I, and, and you know, I kind of liked the fact that the after dark playlist kind of made it seem a little more sinister. But Tom Petty wasn't like that. Tom Petty was, uh, you could play Tom Petty all day long, you know, because Tom Petty was just, you know, great American rock and roll. Uh, and so I get it. And uh, I still appreciate Tom Petty. My, my, my tastes are very eclectic at times. You know, I've got a pretty uh, wide range of interests. But uh, I like things with a little more crunch these days. But uh, here is what I have come up with. And here's some things. The first thing that I'll tell you, uh, I didn't have Learning to Fly on there. That was really close. I didn't have Don't Come Around Here No More. I, I don't really like that song. I, I don't. I think it's a weird song. The video was cool, but Don't Come Around Here No More, to me, is uh, it got a lot more attention, I think, because of the video rather than the quality of the song. And arguably, the best song that Tom Petty ever sang on is not one of his. And that's uh, Stop Dragging My Heart Around, duet he did uh, with Stevie Nicks. I absolutely love that song. And at some point, we've all felt that way about somebody, right? It's like, you know, I've loved you and I put up with all your nonsense. And uh, and then, you you know, you, you treat me like I'm, you know, some kind of fool or something. So stop dragging my heart around. If you haven't learned, listen to that song. Go, go dig it up. And for you young folks, if you've never heard it, go to iTunes right now and pull it down listen to it. You're going to love it. All right, so here's my top 10 Top Petty songs. Your list may differ. Your list would be wrong. This is the Top 10 Tom Petty list. 
Number 10 for me is You Got Lucky. Uh, great song, uh, great delivery. Just when you, again, we've all been there. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. There. You got lucky when I found you. You know, good relationship song there. Number nine, I could have gone a little bit higher with this one, but you don't know how it feels. Great song, good vibe, good guitar work on it, cool harmonica. Number eight, American Girl. And and that's one, it it seems like when you hear the opening bars of that song, it reminds you of like every mid-80s teen movie. Because it seems like American Girl was on the soundtrack of like 100 movies in the 80s. Uh, number seven, one that might not make a lot of lists, but I need to know. I, again, one, a little kind of up-tempo song uh, from Tom Petty. I, and that, those, to me, those are the songs that I like the most. You know, for me, I, I like the, more of the rocking stuff from Tom Petty. They're, he's got a lot of great stuff. But uh, I Need to Know is probably in uh, kind of a forgotten gem, I guess. Number six, this was a huge early 80s hit for Tom Petty. It's Even the Losers. Even the Losers get lucky sometimes. Uh, and for some of us, that's us, right? <laughs> so, you know, they say there's somebody for everybody, and every, uh, you know, every, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. That's us. Even the losers get lucky sometimes. And sometimes we losers will work hard and win and become the winners. Uh, number five, one of my favorite Tom Petty songs, and I started to go higher with this, but I figured I would get some uh, – some people that would kind of yell me down here, but uh, cool video too. Cool video. Uh, one of the more up-tempo songs in a Tom Petty catalog, that's Running Down a Dream. I love the song, love the chorus. Uh, I love that guitar tone on that song. It's unlike anything else in a catalog. Uh, so go check that out. Really good driving music, Tom Petty is. Number four, huge, huge hit for Tom Petty. 
uh, had Kim Pazinger in the video. And that's uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance. Uh, good drug reference song there for those of you looking for that. Uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. One More Time to Kill the Pain. Uh, great song. Cool video. But uh, it's, and it's funny how they made Tom Petty kind of a, uh, a video star. I mean, really. Because I can, that's not really who he is. You know, or who, who he was. He was a guy that was really to the rock. And just shows you the power of the record company. But they, they made Tom Petty a household name around the country. Number three, and I suspect many of you were probably thinking, well, Steve, I know this song will be number one, but you're wrong. You're wrong. But just because you watched Jerry Maguire doesn't mean that Free Fallin' should be number one. Free Fallin' is number three on my list. It is a classic. Love the song. But uh, to be honest with you, it was overplayed. And I think a lot of it's because of that movie, because there were a lot of people that were kind of casual rock fans that heard that song in the movie and thought, man, what a great song. And it is an absolute classic. Uh, I love the lyrics in it. It's one of those things. It's just kind of about letting go in life and not letting go in a negative way, but just kind of letting go of all the things around you. It's like, you know what? There are so many things around me I can't control. And rather than trying to hold everything in place, I'm just going to go, man. I'm just going to go with the flow. Uh, so it's a great message. And uh, I'd encourage you to check that one out. Free Fall and probably the most famous of the Tom Petty songs, probably because of that movie. Number two, because again, I told you I like the, uh, the rocking stuff. I like the up-tempo stuff. Number two for me, it's Refugee. You don't have to live your life like a refugee. One of the early great songs from Tom Petty, and I think you should absolutely, if you're a young person looking for somebody new to listen to, Tom Petty is certainly uh, right there as a good candidate. Uh, refugee was one of those songs early on when uh, when it came on the radio it's like you, you pricked your ears up a little bit because it was a little bit different than everything else uh, the percussion on it's pretty good uh it's it's not back in the days when we over mic'd drums you know what i'm saying this is just this is when guys could really play and we didn't have to use auto to pro tools and all this audio software and stuff and they recorded so much of this stuff live and what i mean by that is you know this is where you know nowadays you lay down the baseline you go back and add drums or whatever yeah, you know, this Tom Petty and those guys would go to the studio and they would record, you know, 100 takes for these songs. So this is the band playing together as a unit recording these songs. And I think that makes them that much better. And that's the thing about Refugee. Every time that I've heard that song, I always think about, man, what a great band Tom Petty and Heartbreakers really was. But number one for me, and it's words for living, So I won't back down. You could stand me up before the gates of hell, but I won't back down. And uh, it's, a, it's one of those songs of empowerment. And uh, there are a lot of, I know the University of Florida, I guess, plays this uh, as part of their uh, football PA. I think that's right. But uh, to me, that is the best one. That is the great song. It's Tom Petty at his best, as I won't back down. And it's, it wasn't necessarily one of those top 40 type songs. You heard it on rock radio a lot. You heard it some uh, to, on some adult contemporary situations, stations, but uh, it was not one of those songs that I think was a you know a corporate sellout. There are a lot of these songs sometimes, you know that because corporate America wants to kind of identify with people that are kind of American classics. I think a lot of people kind of picked some Tom Petty songs because of the fact they were safe, uh, but also too that, the, that everybody was pretty agreeable that Tom Petty was great. But this is one of those songs I won't back down. I don't know that. Uh, kind of fits that demographic i think it's really more about who tom petty is and was and so that's my top 10 list if you have ideas for the top 10 list please reach out and let me know uh, i enjoy interacting with people even if i don't use your list right away sometimes i kind of cycle back to them i keep a list and there are some days it kind of strikes my fancy and some days uh you know i want to do sports stuff and other days i want to do music but uh, i have enjoyed doing this and i've had so many people that reached out and said steve i love the top 10 list because you remind me especially of songs and games and people and stuff that I've kind of forgotten. And uh, it's good to remember some old favorites. You know what I'm saying? So go listen to some Tom Petty today. Make that part of your weekend soundtrack. All right. Sooner, soon, I'm going to be on my way to Campus Bookmark. And I'm going to go see Stan the Man and Miss Kathy Brown and lovely, talented Susie. I don't know if they'll hug my neck or not. And I don't know that I want to put them in a situation, even though I'm COVID negative. But I got to go buy a, uh, a new cowbell for a young family member. That's what we do, right? We have a new family member. We got to go buy a little cowbell so we can put in the nursery. And so I'm going to go do that. You need to go check them out at campusbookmark.net. You don't get a hug over the internet. At least you're not supposed to. 
but you can get great quality Mississippi State merchandise right there at campusbookmart.net. Uh, an institution here in Starkville. I'm a Starkvilligan institution for sure. Uh, love going in there. Love Miss Kathy Brown will get whatever you want. It's like she's one, she is so prolific as a buyer. If there is anything out there that has Mississippi State on it, She's going to get it, and if she doesn't have it in the store, she can get it for you. And there are a lot of times, too, they, they license all these shirts, and they, uh, you know, they're so ready to go. Uh, one of the things, that's story I'll tell you, the uh, last year, they already had licensing approved for shirts just in case we beat Alabama. Like, that, that's the forethought that she puts into this. You know, even though people are like, oh, there's no way we're going to beat Alabama. She was ready. Already had her designs approved, and had we won the game, they would have immediately put those shirts into production and had them available for sale Sunday and Monday because that's how on the ball they are at Campus Bookmark. And so let me encourage you again, give them an opportunity to serve you. Find some great Mississippi State merchandise for your home, for your office, your RV, your pet, your house. Great selection, great prices, great people. Go check them out at campusbookmark.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll save you Shipping on all orders over $50, and any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So let's get uh, this SEC scheduling thing. You know, it changes the dynamic of the bowl picture dramatically. You know, there's some teams out there like Arkansas, Missouri, Ole Miss, uh, to a lesser extent Mississippi State, we are thinking, you know, we need these non-conference games to ensure we get bowl eligible. And listen, you know, Arkansas, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, like – Let's say for an example, I think the SEC has nine or ten bowl tie-ins. I haven't. It's been so many other things to worry about. I haven't really looked into that. Um, <clears throat> but you don't want to be in that Final Four. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be down there because there's no guarantee of a post-game appearance. And so, if the schedule goes as we expect it to, you know, let's let's say for an example, if they they approve the you just pick up the next two in your Eastern rotation. Well, that means that the teams projected to finish in the bottom four would be on Mississippi State's schedule. Now, Arkansas is one of those teams. I think there are a lot of people out there that are saying, you know what, man, that Arkansas team last year was one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the SEC. You know what? And I agree. But I think a lot of that really had to do with the culture of Chad Morris, not necessarily uh, the talent level. And uh, to be fair with that, Chad Morris – uh, has a little bit of Hugh Freeze in him. And what I mean by that is, you know, when it comes to recruiting, there's a lot of, you know, smoke and mirrors to those recruiting classes. And so a lot of people kind of propped them up and look how great Arkansas is recruiting. Yeah, until you put them on the field. And so that said, Arkansas has some pieces. I think Rakeem Boyd is one of the most underappreciated running backs in the SEC because, because the fact that Arkansas has been so bad – he has quietly had a very good career. You may remember him from being on Last Chance U. Uh, listen, Rakeem Boyd is back. I really hoped he would go pro, but maybe he didn't get the feedback that he wanted. You know, because of the fact they're going to have Rakeem Boyd and those two young receivers that were so good last year, and then they're going to have Felipe Franks. They have some pieces. They do. They, they have some pieces. It is going to take them a game or two to kind of figure some things out. They're going to be a better team this year. They were so bad on defense last year, they're probably not going to be able to stop anybody. Their secondary was awful. And then they lose Cameron Curl, who was arguably their best defensive back last year. Uh, he has given up you know, some really incredible touchdowns against Mississippi State. Uh, we will certainly miss him. Uh, but be that as it may, you know that secondary uh, has some real issues. Uh, you've got Greg Brooks out there, a, a kid that's not big enough to play in this league. Uh, and Terrell Buckley even told me when they recruited him, they were kind of thinking of him more as a nickel or perhaps a uh, – a kick and punt returner. But he is not a guy that has the length uh, to really defend in, in the deep third. He's just not one of those guys that's going to be able to to handle man-to-man coverage unless he can be a squat corner and then kind of get the stuff underneath and it's going to make the tackle. I, I don't think he's very good. I do think uh, Darius Bishop, former Mississippi State commitment, is a good player. Uh, he is the guy, if you recall, that got Randy Mossed by Osiris Mitchell down in Fayetteville last year. But Arkansas offensively has some pieces. Uh, they lose some guys on the offensive line. That's always been the case. But Sam Pittman's a great offensive line coach. They, they'll, they'll be a better team. I expect them to get a couple people. I know I saw some other people projecting them to be 0-10. I don't know that I buy that. I, I really don't. I think that they will get better, and I think they're going to take somebody out. 
I don't know who it's going to be, but they'll win a couple ball games. I still think they're probably a couple years away, and I think Sam Pittman will probably improve the culture there. And even if Sam doesn't win enough to stay, I think Sam can kind of be a placeholder to kind of get this thing turned around for the next guy that comes in. Because, you know, Arkansas folks really want to be good at football. They really, really do. And, you know, when they had that stretch, you know, Houston Nutt was kind of up and down. You know, one, one year he's coaching for his job, and next year he's coaching for the West. You know, when Bobby Petrino got there, it kind of settled some things down. They were a very talented program, and, you know, and they were winning big offensively. They were one of the better teams in the league when they had Ryan Mallett there. Still think we should have won that overtime game against them. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but be that as it may, I think Arkansas will be better. Their record will not show it, but they're going to beat somebody. If I'm, if I'm Missouri or Ole Miss, there is no way I'm counting that game. Because you're, you know, you're not that much better than them. If you are better than them, I think you know Ole Miss should have more talent uh, than Arkansas. But when you begin to kind of think about this grad transfer thing and then bringing Felipe Franks in and then having one of the top running backs in the league coming back, they should be able to run the football. Speaking of other teams, Missouri, <clears throat> that's another team I'm happy we have on the schedule. You know, Eli is going to get those guys going in the right direction, but uh, they're probably in the right division. But uh, – I don't know in, in year one if they, they get to turn around. They had more talent last year. You know, they had Kelly Bryant. They had a couple guys who went to the league. Uh, this is kind of a transition year, the kind of the end of a talent cycle. But, uh, you know, Eli's a guy that's been great with quarterbacks. I, I expect them to be, you know, a better team. And, again, their record won't show it because they won't have the benefit of non-conference games. So I think they're going to finish in the final four and lead the bottom four of the league. And, again, we get them here, and I think that's big. You, you may recall we went up there and beat them in 2015 at their place, and uh, now we finally get the return game. And that's, that, that's a problem in the SEC rotation. You know, uh, I spoke to some people in Mississippi State's administration that says, you know what, over the course of every student athlete's career, they should have the opportunity to play in every SEC venue. That doesn't seem to be that difficult to do. I mean, it seems like that, that – you know, over a course of four years, yeah, I mean, you, you think there's seven teams in the East in football. We got to be able to play two every year and knock that out. So every student athlete should have the opportunity to play against every team. Uh, you may not be able to play in every venue, but uh, you, know, you get the opportunity, you know, a little more regularly. I mean, we're not going to the swamp again until, until like the year 3000. I mean, it's ridiculous to the fact that you can go so many years and not play another member of your own conference. We've played Southern Miss in recent years more times than we've played Missouri. Missouri is in our league. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, be that as it may, you know, Missouri is one of those teams that I look at and I say, you know what, I'm kind of glad they're in the East, but I don't think – I think I think that their ceiling is probably South Carolina. You know what I'm saying? I think that's probably – they could be South Carolina, Kentucky, be in that same mix. I don't think there's any chance of catching, you know, Georgia or Florida. I think – you know, when, when they caught fire early in their conference, you know, career here, when they first got going, you know, they, they won uh, the East a couple of years and went to Atlanta. Uh, and that was because of the fact Georgia and Florida were in transition. It's, I just don't think that's going to happen very often. I don't think you're going to get in a situation where Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee are all down for an extended period of time again. So I think it's going to be a long time before Missouri gets that opportunity. So I'm glad we have them on the schedule, but uh, I kind of like the hire at Missouri. I really do. So Vanderbilt, if we pick up Vanderbilt, uh, I think this is the last year of Derek Mason, unless there is just simply, you know, a COVID uh, sympathy type deal. I think that's also a possibility. I think some people look at this deal and think, okay, well, how can you fire anybody? But we fired a bunch of basketball coaches uh, last year. But I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be any better. They actually lost a lot on offense. They lost every quarterback that played a single snap last year, and one of them, you know, was headed to Mississippi State. Uh, But it's one of those things I look at them. Defensively, Derek Mason always seems to find a way to make some games competitive. I just don't know if they have enough talent. They're recruiting at a high enough level to really compete. So I think that's a game out for Mississippi State can win home or away. We we haven't been up there in forever. I mean, honestly, it, it has been forever since we have played at Vanderbilt. It is probably, I would say Missouri and Vanderbilt are probably the tamest atmospheres in the SEC. It just doesn't have that same fervor. And part of the reason, I think, is because when we go to Vanderbilt, 
there's a bunch of us up there. So cowbells or not, we can go over there and kind of take over that stadium, especially when we get uh, get some things going our way. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would be more than happy to go to, to uh, Nashville and play a game. I love Nashville. It is one of my favorite southern towns, a lot of music there. So if that works out, again, I think that's a game we win. And then, of course, you know, the Ole Miss situation. And, and here's the thing that I don't know that people are really appreciating. And I mentioned this on the show uh, Wednesday. You know, Ole Miss has not had a winning season since 2015. Barring something crazy, they're not going to have a winning season this year either. So now you're looking at you don't get the benefit of the non-conference games, and then you've got 10 league games, and I can't imagine they're going to be a favorite in maybe more than one or two of those games. And, again, we don't know the full schedule just yet, but the discussion is they may pick up Tennessee uh, and Kentucky. Well, I, who is going to favor them in either of those games? I, I, I would submit to you that Tennessee certainly has more talent than, than Ole Miss does. And uh, you know, Kentucky defensively can really cause you some images. I mean, I mean some, some issues. They're just one of those teams. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see how they'll def- defend Mike Leach because against the spread – even though we have had the better of that series the last decade or more, it's usually a hard-fought game, especially when we go to Lexington, which is what we're expected to do. And I think there is probably some relief in the schedule, you know, for State, you know, in October. You know, that October schedule was brutal. I don't know if, if we have a league-only schedule, if they're going to make us go on a road three weeks in a row. I, you know, I just, I just don't know if that's the case. And, of course, everything is kind of to be determined right now. But, um, you know, you know Ole Miss, you look at the – they always get Vanderbilt right. And then you get all your teams in the West. Uh, I don't remember who was supposed to be on the schedule uh, for them from the East, but the talk was they were going to pick up those, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky. I think those are two losses for Ole Miss. And so you look at the West and you say, okay, they're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to beat LSU. They're not going to beat Auburn. They shouldn't beat Auburn. They're not going to beat Mississippi State. They might be able to get Arkansas. And then so you begin to think, do the math on that. Okay, well, that's five, six, seven. And then what do they do with Vanderbilt? They, they beat Vanderbilt and Arkansas. And that's probably the only two you look at right there and say, you know what, those are games that they should win. That's what's crazy about all this. Yeah, I just checked. Ole Miss's uh, rotating east opponent this year was Florida. So you play the west – and as, again, assuming that schedule model is followed, so this is not guaranteed by any stretch of imagination. But you play the West, then you would play your regular East opponent in Vanderbilt, then you get Florida, who will probably win the East, and then you are well before we, you know, that they had Alabama to the schedule. You know, Dan Mullen's uh, issues with Alabama, um, and then you add Tennessee and Kentucky in there. You know, listen, they're going to, you know, I could conceivably see a two, a two and eight season. And so, again, I'm glad Mississippi State has them on the schedule. And, I, and, again, I don't care when we play them. But there are a lot of people out there that look at the schedule and say, you know, I don't see a path to a winning season for Mississippi State. This is where I disagree because I think you can beat those four teams. I think State will be favored against those four teams, home or away, and that being Vanderbilt, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss. That gets you four. I think that gets you in a bowl game. But then you get toss-up games – a&M and Auburn both come here. Let's say you get one of those, you know, then we'll see. You know, and so I don't think that we have to have the benefit of non-conference game to get into a bowl game this year or to at least go 500 and have a chance at a winning season. But uh, I do think in many respects uh, the schedule kind of sets up well for Mississippi State considering the, the, the potential opponents. And one of the things that is uh, the people should be mindful of, Mississippi State's strength of schedule is already near the top. And so I don't know what – system they would use there is some discussion of greg sankey made comments yesterday that they're going to look at strength of schedule when they kind of finalize these schedules because you know you don't want to overload somebody that's already facing a tough schedule and so you know i don't know how you're fair with that and there's no way you're going to please everybody but the bottom line is this is that uh you know we're going to play football and uh we're going to play all sec teams in football and they're it's going to be a five and five deal five home five away that's the only way to make it fair. Uh, so there will be some adjustments to the schedule. So many of you have already made hotel plans and that sort of stuff. Uh, that's going to change in a major way. 
but again, we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate yesterday. We're going to look forward to tomorrow. We're going to look forward to watching some college football. And listen, I get it. There's going to be every day there is somebody with bated breath waiting to tell you that somebody else tested positive for COVID. It's true. It's unfortunate. And our thoughts and prayers go out to that person and their family. But by and large, most people are not, quote, getting sick just because they tested positive. These student athletes are under the supervision of medical professionals all the time. The chances of them uh, having a dramatic experience with COVID is, is pretty slim. It is possible, but it is pretty slim. And so I think it's best just to just trust the situation and understand that you know, Greg Sankey and the rest of the league leadership will make good decisions based on what they feel is best for Mississippi State and other teams around the league. And let's just take it a day at a time. Just like we talked about earlier, rather than playing the Egg Bowl all year long, let's just celebrate today. What happens today? And if we don't get negative news about college football today, and I don't mean uh, negative news where, you know, the Dan Wilkins of the world and people like that, um, you know, find the negative slant to everything. Uh, and listen, Dan, Dan was great to me for a long time, and I still think that Dan's, a, you know, a good guy. But uh, he's kind of off the rails when it's come to this uh, – you know, this college football thing. And I, and I get it. A lot of it's just, you know, it's, it's a safety issue. But I think another thing, those, those stories generate a lot of interest. And so there are other people on the other side of things that uh, I, th- I think a good friend of mine said it best. I think the truth lies somewhere between what Clay Travis says and then what the Dan Walk and Pat Forties of the world say. I think Clay is probably over-the-top optimistic, and I think the other guys sometimes are over-the-top a little bit negative. The truth is somewhere in the middle. So uh, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter what I write, they write, or anybody else write. It's going to change anything about uh, the season. And I think the fact that you know 13 to 14 SEC presidents voted yesterday to have the season says a lot about uh, the probability of the season. I think everybody understands that we should play and they want to play, and they're clearing the pathway for everybody to play. And pretty soon we'll find out who we're going to play and when we're going to play them. But that's going to do it for today. And uh, listen, for you, for those of you that don't know, you know, uh, I, I did the game of change. I'm going to start telling you guys a couple things. I wrote an extensive, exhaustive chapter about the game of change in Alpha Dogs. And I was able to get access to some documents and some letters that some people wrote, some people of note, wrote to the State College Board, some expressing their uh, dismay about Dean Colbert's decision to allow Mississippi State to go play in the game and other people supporting that decision. And you will be surprised at some of the allies Mississippi State had and also you'll be surprised at some of the detractors Mississippi State had. We're publishing many of those letters, and we couldn't get them all in, and many of them kind of said the same thing. But it's important also, too, to understand the context of the day. And I think it's important, especially for you young folks when you read the book, to understand you know, it wasn't as simple as uh, we did a Twitter poll. There were people... They were so incredibly invested in this that, uh, you know, they threw their businesses behind it. They threw their names. Uh, Many of these people were giants in the state of Mississippi. And I'm not going to spill it here today. I'm not going to give any spoilers. But there are some some shameful letters in there from some names you will know. And I think it's important that uh, that you kind of understand kind of the lay of the land then. And it really, again, kind of illustrates the courage that Dean Colford, and Babe McCarthy and the Athletic Administration here at Mississippi State had to go against the custom of the day for what was right. It is easy to do the right thing when the right thing is popular. It is much more difficult to do the right thing when it appears that everybody, including your own state government, is against you. But because of the fact that there were some, some brave administrators at Mississippi State that said, you know what, we're going to do what's best for our student-athletes. We're going to do what's best for the state of Mississippi. And we're going to go play this game. But I did not fully appreciate how difficult a decision that was until I researched and wrote that chapter in the book. And if you are a Mississippi State fan, if you are a fan of college sports, if you are a fan of people, if you are a fan of truth, justice in the American way, then you're going to want to read that because there are so many people that did what was right, not knowing the consequences they would face. And sometimes doing the right thing has consequences. But I had a good friend of mine that says when I was, I was much younger, and he goes, here's the thing. You can do what's right for the wrong reasons, but if you do what's right 
it's always going to be right. And you can do what's wrong because that may be convenient or it may be pleasurable. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be wrong. No matter how much you enjoy it today, no matter how much you, know, you can kind of get through the spin of the moment, you're still going to be wrong. And I've always remembered that. And so in that situation, and I'm so proud to say that we, we share a heritage with people who did things the right way for the right reasons. And they're on the right side of history. When you look back in time, you say, you know what? Those people were courageous because they did what was right based on their own convictions. And one of the sad things about life is there's so many people out there that think they're the good guys when they're really the bad guys. And uh, that's one of the things that, you know, as I read through some of these letters, some of these from, you know, middle-aged housewives in, you know, Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, they were, you know, they were, you know, the typical moms of the day and you read some of those things and they thought they were doing what was best for their children and some of the things they said were just absolutely shameful and uh, I think it's important to kind of understand that to understand how far we've come but also too to remind us how much farther we've got to go well folks it's going to do it for today hope you guys have a great weekend it's Friday too I know again I hope it's payday for you hope you're able to get out and go do some fun things this weekend uh, listen let's enjoy life while we have it But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.